This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to For All Mankind by Story Archives. I'm your host, Mario Busto, alongside your other host, Zachary Newton. Welcome back. I should have said the other host. I went, I reverted back to my old ways. What did you just say right now? I said your other host, but it always sounds like a slur of you're the host. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm the host. I'm the host. All right. <laughs> L- Leningrad. Episode six, right? That is correct. Leningrad, Leningrad would be a cool name for a show in and of itself, just Leningrad. It's a really it cool would. city name. It's very epic sounding. <clears throat> it is. It is. Reminds me of the old Medal of Honor days on PlayStation 2 or PlayStation mm. 1. PS2. PS2. That, that's when war games used to be the best, when it was like oh, straight yeah, up story. World War II games. Yeah. You'd get a brand new game console and it'd always be highlighted by like the greatest war game ever. And... um. We got to go back to our roots there, you know? Man, that's what I loved Call of Duty about back in the day. I know I'm deviating here for a moment, but it was great because you got like straight story. I love the campaigns, but I'll leave it at that. Yeah. We got an interesting episode here. Um, A lot of things going on. And thankfully, kind of isolated. We didn't bounce around to 70 different places. We mainly stayed in Russia Mm -hmm. and we stayed in Happy Valley, right? Yeah. I got to say, and you're going to disagree with me. Okay. <laughs> Probably. I love Ed in this episode. I mean, he's Oh, no. Pure... I, I completely agree with you. Okay, you do? Yeah, right. no. Like, this, this man, like, like, this is the Ed I was wanting in this season. You want rogue pure chaos, Ed? Yes. Because I love I gotta this, say, Ed. If I'm Danielle, like, let's say I put myself in Danielle's shoes, like, as a manager. I would hate Ed's ass. I'd fire him. Uh, he'd be like gone. he's 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 like starting a coup pretty much on the ship. Hmm. All right. But he's decided two days into his retirement that he's gonna make life a living hell for Danny, right? Because mm-hmm. the previous episode, although she didn't fire him completely, mm-hmm. she removed him as XO, uh commanding officer, right? Yes. Or executive officer. So pretty much second in command to her. I believe Palmer now has taken his spot as XO. Yeah. Although Ed is still a senior project director who uh palmer reports to in certain areas this is danny probably trying not to completely kill ed right but uh <laughs> ed has found a new life that i wasn't expecting yeah and although i wasn't familiar with the book he was reading it was called uh sand sand pebbles mm-hmm. um let me find that in my notes here it's called let me hold on it was in i i, I thought i knew it as well when i was looking at it i was like hoping i knew the book but i didn't even recognize the title which is crazy. And, you know, since we're on the topic of Ed, though, you know, I think, and feel free to disagree with me if, if you want, but I think, you know, one of the, the the big reasons why I like Ed now, starting in this episode, uh, compared to the rest of this season so far is, for me, Ed has felt, th- I mean, though he's still the same edgy guy, like he, he's, he's bullish, right? Like he, he's like an anarchist in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um this whole season up to this point, I feel like he's just felt lost. Like he seemed very lost. Like he didn't have a mission. He didn't have a purpose, really. He was just kind of living like, I don't know, man, just remembering the glory days or something. But 
this episode, finally, like he's he's got some fire under his butt. He has a mission. He's actually trying to do something. Whether or not it's you know a good thing or a bad thing, I'm I'm not going to comment on that right this second. But yeah, I like that he has a mission. He, he's got something he's trying to achieve, and that I think is what is really the, the turning point for him in this episode, at the very least for for me. Well, he's reading. I finally found my note here. He's reading a book called The Sand Pebbles at the very beginning. I'm talking about when he wakes up, he does a little morning routine. Yeah. It's a novel by Richard McKenna, which was also a movie. I think it's the only movie that Steve McQueen won an Oscar for, if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. But the plot is, the novel describes a life of boredom and sudden battle action. All right. So, it's pretty much like a disillusioned, uh, like high up military member, right? And Mm -hmm. he... trying to remember what i read yesterday but essentially it's kind of like this guy i guess finding himself like in a new uh chapter and in, in a yeah. way and i don't know anything about this book but this is just a little synopsis i read and it was kind of like a just a very basic um breakdown but he like ends up riling up certain factors and in this episode what happens is i, I mean it has this kind of this realization maybe it's while he's reading the book but he does revert to Maverick Ed, which he's always going to be Maverick Ed, right? He's a guy who, although he's in the military, he kind of only does what he wants to do at all times. And at a certain point, at a certain point in this episode, I almost thought he was going to be the union leader for these people. <laughs> uh, but I think that it's actually smarter what he's doing, which is he's stirring the pot for them to unionize and leverage their power, right? Because the demand for this iridium deposit on Goldilocks is such that these workers right now, if they don't unionize, which we just knew this was coming with Samantha's character, right? She was yes. stirring the pot. She was di- pretty much just completely disgruntled uh, in the entire season so far, ever since her, uh, not her love interest, but her friend died mm-hmm. in the first asteroid capture mission, right? Yeah. So it's kind of predictable that now she's there kind of starting the, she's playing like the, uh, um, Freddie Thorne role here of unionizing. <laughs> That's a Peaky bit. Blinders deep cut. I think Peaky she's Blinders doing a, cut. I think she might be doing a better job though. Well, I don't actually know. I don't know. Ed's doing a hell of a better job than Freddie. Yeah. Ed kind of out of nowhere. I, what I love partly about Ed in this episode, because he does steal the show. This is definitely peak Ed of the season so far. Mm-hmm. He kind of, the whole time in the series, at least in this season, you don't know how much he's currently with it or how much he's out of touch. But this episode shows you that he's very much in touch with everything going on to the degree that he knows the code to enter Ilya's bar. He doesn't need to ask for entrance. He knows the code to enter it. And it almost, I wonder if he went in there with the plan of stirring the pot from the beginning or once he saw, once he was overhearing the conversations about unionizing in the bar and he didn't Mm -hmm. speak up about it. And then saw the report from Palmer, who came to pretty much adjust the bonus rates, right? Which was going to drastically uh, increase the demand in order to get a bonus, right? And then reduce the amount that they were getting paid. Um, he decided to take this opportunity to make, pretty much make Danielle pay for this and to show how much uh, he can still control within the ship. So now it's a power struggle between the two of them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like he he probably approach that with with the idea of of stirring the pot i mean like man he he left that room with a purpose like he, he really was he was aiming for something 
we found out what i mean pretty quickly i mean he, he, he wants he wants to take back control he wants his wings is at least what why i think he's doing a lot of this well it's interesting right because he has i think he wants to get control right of whatever he was doing before so he'll probably leverage the fact that he can he can calm these union strikers down because now he's earned their trust right yeah he also lets Ilya know immediately I can sniff out a sill. If there's a sill anywhere near, Ed Baldwin can sniff it out. And he's even telling him tips on how to make the vodka taste less crappy, right? Yeah. And then he tells him, hey, how much are you raking in on your black market stuff? He knows about the black market too. So he knows about everything going on on the ship so much so that I wonder if he knows more than Danielle does currently. I would imagine so. I mean, Danielle's pretty new here. I, I can't... Like, she looks like she's kind of still feeling her way around in some ways. I mean, Ed's been here for God, what, like twenty years? And well, no, it's not twenty years. Yeah. That's that's a gross over uh, exaggeration there. But uh, no, he's been no, here maybe, for years. Yeah, for years, years. We don't know the exact number, but it's it's a lot. It's decades, right? Well, well, uh, well, well. We know the kid, right? You know, his his grandson, right, was born shortly after they all landed here, right? So it's yeah, probably somewhere around ten years would be my guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about the fact that he just doesn't give a damn if anybody likes him or not. When he leaves his room, he's saying hello to everybody like they're his best friend and nobody responds in kind. Yeah. Okay. Then he enters the bar and he knows he's the man, right? He knows he's walking in there like, yeah, I can blow all this shit up. Like you guys would like this still. I don't care if you like me or not. And he goes in there and does this thing, puts everybody at ease. But then it's kind of interesting this episode, right? Which I, I do love. I think it's really really well done because you got three people trying to disrupt this like the standard operating procedures right you got yeah ed who's trying to stir the pot on happy valley you have miles who pulls a full heisenberg okay he goes full heisenberg and <laughs> commandeers Ilya's uh whole operation really he takes the bar he says hey i'll let you come visit you know, he does, he, he does a, uh, come on, Milos. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. He, come on, Milos. He does. This is my territory. He, I was surprised he didn't do a whole say my name moment. <laughs> Something like that. I, I, I'm, I'm thankful it didn't go any worse than it went when that went down though. I'll say, I'll, I'll say that at least. It should, it should have just ended with him talking to his wife on the, like on a dirt, on a long call and he's just on the phone and goes. I won. <laughs> just click. <laughs> we just got on his wife. Oh, but uh, he's Miles has found a way to disrupt that completely. And we'll talk a lot about Miles in this in this reaction episode. And then thirdly, the other person disrupting the status quo is Margot. She's tired of being in the shadows. She obviously wants some power and recognition. I don't give a damn what she says. Mm -hmm. She says she's addicted to the work, but she also wants to take credit for all of her brilliant ideas, right? Yeah. And Marco doesn't like have any friends or anything like that for the most part. So what does she care if the whole world hates her, right? She's now pretty much more Russian than she is American. At least that's what it feels like to me. Yeah, uh, she even feels says, like that to me too. She even says we at certain parts in this episode when speaking to Irina. So she is fully, full Ross Cosmos out from head to toe. And honestly, she kind of feels like a very, she feels like she'd be great in that system, doesn't she? Very effective. <laughs> she does. Yeah. I mean, she does what she needs to do to get what she wants. Like That's been... Her MO through this entire show. Yeah. Yeah. And she does go what she wants because she is essentially the right hand woman 
to Irina, right? She's mm-hmm. in her ear. She's telling her what to say at all times. She's the smartest woman in the room, really. It's Aleda and her who are the, like, the smartest ones. What you see in this episode, really, is that Irina and Eli are more... Uh, Political. They're more... Di- they're directors. They're administrators. <laughs> they're not the problem solvers. They're not engineers like Aleda and Margot. Yeah. And um, you do get that touching scene, though, where Margot finally shows some emotion. And it's a heart-wrenching scene, right? Because you're thinking, Aleda thought Margot died in the terrorist attack, which I did not know that was the case. I didn't yeah. know Margot left on the wake, like, or pretty much like with that timing, mm-hmm. like directly after the terror attack. I wonder if that was planned, if she meant to do it at the time, or if it was a coincidence. It I'm not sure. like it was a coincidence, like pure coincidence from this episode. It's safe to say she probably would have died had she been, been at NASA, considering... The shot we see of Aleda in these flashbacks of the terror attack at um, NASA is Aleda standing on this high floor with the with the pretty much the walls blown out, right? And she's just looking down, stories down. Yeah, yeah. That's Margot's office, and we get an explanation as to what she did because she wasn't there. She was at Mission Control. Okay, so she went up the stairs to her own peril at her own risk, right? Mm-hmm. To see if Margot was okay, and so that's pretty you know, scarring, considering Margot's a mother figure to her in, in lots of ways, right? Yeah. And uh, ends up being, thinking that Margot's been blown to smithereens for all she knows, right? She's never discovered in the in the rubble of, of this attack. Yeah. I mean, everybody seemed to think that. I, I, I still feel like you would have found the body, right? Like, I mean, it wasn't like on fire. It wasn't like she was at the source of the explosion, but but um, nobody knew nobody knew that she was in in cahoots with the Russians. So of course, yeah, yeah. For well, for all for all they knew, she was like obliterated. You know, who knows what happened to her? But true. You know. Also, I I knew it was based on the Oklahoma City bombing, the the, the terror attack in the show that takes mm. place in season three mm-hmm. by none other than uh, Jimmy. Uh, what's his face? What's what's his last name? Jimmy Stevens. Yes. Uh, at least coordinate. At least facilitated by Jimmy Stevens. Idiot. I'm so happy they haven't shown him in prison once in this series because we know he's in prison. I don't care about his storyline, man. I don't I don't know what he's doing with I'm not going to go there. Yeah, I don't care about uh, his storyline. I feel like we end up in a Stevens rabbit hole at least once an episode, but it's so interesting to me that that the writers room decided to absolutely slaughter that entire family and curse their children. Uh, like you know old testament style like just like you know the whole family's gonna get wiped you know that's kind (laughs) of what occurs here but we talked about this last episode it does feel kind of like a theme is uh what happens to your kids when you just go to space and forget that you have kids you know that's kelly's kind of theme and she chooses to bring alex which is another interesting tidbit because Ed doesn't give a damn that his daughter and his grandson are coming to this ship that he is literally starting no. a coup d'etat on right now. Like, yeah. it's about to be a mutiny on this ship, probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's going to go to the extent where there's a bunch of people getting murdered or anything like that. Like You never know. Can't... Miles? Well, all right. That's a different story. You know, we can talk about that one a little bit later. But I don't think Ed's intention is for anybody to really get hurt. He just wants to seize control. He wants to take leverage of how angry everybody is and dissatisfied with what's going on. Uh, to uh, get back in power, really, probably put himself in Danny's shoes. That would be my my guess at the very least. All right, so we'll gl- we'll kind of like recap some of the things that occur. We got the summit going on in Russia. 
Helios is pitching a plan to mine this asteroid, right? And they need $2 trillion to do it, which ain't that bad if you split it up amongst all the M7. But mm-hmm. hey, like real world alliances, uh, usually uh, the big countries pay for all the stuff, aka America. So uh, they yep. need to split it up amongst the M7. I say if Russia and America are paying the most, everyone else makes way less. Yeah, right? it should be like a, like a scale there, right? Like it's based on how much you put in, that's the percentage that you, you get out. Yeah, it's like when, uh, what was it that a couple of years back that Trump went to like the UN and it was like, hey, you know, uh, we pay for all your defense and uh, everybody's going to start to pitch in. Yeah. Something like that is what's occurring here with Eli and Arena and they're fed up. They're like, we're not going to do this nonsense, right? Because it's $2 trillion. America and Russia are going to pay for all the $2 trillion, and then we're not going to see our money for 35 years, right? Yeah. Which is smart, right? Nobody's going to take that sort of return on investment and wait 35 years while Helios is making $2 trillion up front. Right, they're not gonna mm-hmm. make the full two trillion, but you figure there's at least thirty percent profit margin in there, right? So yeah. you know Helios is gonna make solid money. Everyone else is not guaranteed success until Eli comes up with the brilliant idea of bringing the asteroid to mine within Earth's orbit and low orbit, which made me immediately think, like gut reaction: Are we gonna have a scenario where they <sighs> miscalculate and the asteroid <laughs> is going to come towards? And I we have not. a u- unifying event that takes us to Star Trek. No. That, uh, <laughs> look, there was an Earth in Star Trek at least, right? That's what I remember. No, no. Earth's not going to... It's not going to explode. It's just everybody's going to have to work together. Okay. They're going to have to destroy Goldilocks and everyone's going to have to say goodbye. They're going to have to put mankind ahead of $20 trillion worth of iridium. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um. Anyways, they decide to pretty much change that plan up. Instead of mining it in Mars and bringing it back, they decide they want to bring Goldilocks to Earth and mine it in low orbit there, which would reduce the cost. Or not reduce the cost, but it would actually reduce- The timeline the, um, greatly. The timeline. That's the big thing, yeah. Well, but it yeah. would reduce the cost because there's already an infrastructure in place. I just don't know True. how much True. it's going to reduce the cost and they can start mining and immediately. So NASA wants to do that in, in eight weeks, which is crazy, right? So that should bring us to these last four episodes being insane, right? Yeah. Um, okay. On Happy Valley, we talked about Ed stirring the pot. Margo and Aleda have their reunion. And Margo does peg Aleda for what she is. She's an engineer at heart. She's obsessive like Margo is. And she yeah. works her ass off. So whenever there's a problem at hand, Aleda's not leaving like Eli and Arena to go to the restaurant, right? They're, they're going to work in the hotel room until the problem is solved. Yeah. And so we do get that bit. What do you think of the Aleda and Margot reunion? It was it was like it was oddly satisfying. I think it was nice to kind of see. I mean, they they seem like they're just like such good friends up? in a way. I didn't tear, Did you tear up, up? No, it was not when when Aleda when Alita hugs Margot. You didn't like feel it a little emotionally. No, did you? No, I was just asking. I didn't think I did. Not. No, actually, I did. I did because I thought not like dramatically, but I felt. It was pretty much Margot's only emotional moment in the show because she's thinking- She's very robotic. Yeah. She's thinking she's like been going to be rejected by the only person she cares about. Because I think Aleda at this point might be the only person she cares about. Yeah. Uh, aside from Sergei, who's been, who's escaped to uh, Germany. I think so. Yeah. I believe he went to Germany. West Germany or something like that. Yeah. Um. And so you're wondering, is Aleda going to just react horrified and, and pretty much put her in her place? And no, she hugs her immediately, but then gets back to putting her, her in her place and saying that, you know, you didn't have to do what you did. 
which she did is treason. Uh, and goes so far as ending the episode with her fed up with hearing Margot's voice and turns off the TV, which ends our episode, right? Yeah. Yes, it does. Um, I really don't know what's going to happen with Margot's character after like this. Like, do you think she's still going to kind of play like that much of a, I, I guess, a pivotal role in what's going on with Ross Cosmos? Because yeah. one of the things that one of the things that she was told though in this episode was that if she comes out like she, I mean, did she, you know, denounced her or or, or announced her defection from the U.S. Um, that she wasn't going to be trusted by America or the Russians. You still yeah. think she's going to be able to like have enough like weight to throw around these things? Yeah, hundred percent. Because you're useful until you're not, right? And uh, you genius is just genius. And Margot's a genius in the show. Um, and if you're an a hole, untrustworthy genius, you're still a genius. And if you're useful, you're going to be listened to, right? It's you know, it's one of those things where like if you got enough power, if you have enough say so, right? Whether the whether the room likes you or not, they're gonna listen to you, right? LeBron James, that dude is a business, okay? He's literally a corp, like him in of itself, like he single handedly can kind of turn around a like let's say he went to a small market NBA team, he could single handedly like turn around the the local economy in lots of ways, okay? Mm-hmm. That guy has so much pool in the league that no matter what he does, for example, let's just use an example. His son is playing at USC right now, okay? He has already said whatever team drafts his son, he will go to that team next year. So, in doing so, whatever team, what do you think? People are going to move up in the draft to try to take his son. Yeah. For him to go to their team. It's one of those things that if another player did that, they'd be like, get, get out of there. But he is so good at what he does that it doesn't matter. And Margot is so good at what she does that it doesn't matter. She's not untrustworthy. Let's get that straight. So the people who are in charge will know she's not untrustworthy. It'll just be the public perception of her that'll view her as a traitor and untrustworthy. But you get to know her and you know she's not untrustworthy and she puts the job above pretty much anything else. Mm -hmm. Aside from falling in love with the wrong man, she's been all right. That's about it. Though the job, the like the the bigger mission, I think was probably at the core of a lot of that relationship. And at the very least, that's how it started. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, she's she's very much put career in front of everything else uh, in her life. So I don't see anything. Nobody's going to trust her in the public eye. The Russians, I do not think, will allow her to ascend. Like, when she's dead, she's dead. Like, there ain't, ain't going to be like be a, a funeral. It's going to be like she was useful to us and now she's gone. And there will be like a Leda there by herself bringing flowers every year to the grave. You know, like, yeah. or there will be such a catastrophe that occurs with this mission that Margot needs to be listened to and then she'll become a hero for the whole world. And people will be like, oh, look at the love story. She saved Sergei's life. And we finally got clarity on that actually because we didn't know why Margot or how she ended up in Russia. Mm-hmm. And it was because it was a deal to make sure that they were safe. So she pretty much traded- um, Herself. Honestly, it's probably the most selfless thing someone could do. Unfortunately, it does fall within treasonous lines, right? Well, she already had committed treason, I believe, right? With selling yeah. national secrets, or not necessarily selling them, but she didn't giving them. them away. Yeah. Which is worse. I mean, think about it. That's not as bad as selling them. <laughs> if you think about it, right? She did it because they were threatening the life of someone she loved, 
Yeah. Right? Uh, she says she didn't give away anything mission critical. However, she really did. Yeah. I mean, according to Aleda, she did. But nonetheless, uh, what are you going to do? She's Margo. She probably had never felt any emotion prior to, you know, falling for Sergei. She was, <laughs> you know, like a robot that becomes sentient. She just didn't know what to do. It was business above everything. That's, yeah. that's what her entire life has been. Either way, I'd say her part in this episode is probably the least interesting to me. The two most interesting parts in the episode was Ed stirring the pot. Yeah. And the last thing we're going to talk about, which is Miles going above Ilya after he almost nearly getting choked out by this Russian brute, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, goes above Ilya's head to the North Koreans and now has like these North Korean goons who are his <laughs> enforcers because he is determined to bring Lee's wife to the ship, right? So yeah. he actually does strategically, tactically, the right move if he wants to keep this black market going, right? He yeah. takes over Ilya's entire trade, right? The thing is, he's decided to do this at the exact moment that he's unaware of because he's absent from the bar almost the entire episode until the end. Yeah. He's deciding to do this as Ed Baldwin has stepped into the scene. Yeah. <laughs> you you may get you've seen have you seen um once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Uh, the Tarantino yeah, film? Yeah, I have. It was a great All movie. Right. Spoilers incoming for everybody who's listening. It's loosely based on Charles Manson, uh, the killings of Charles Manson uh, yeah. and Sharon Tate. But in this movie, there's a, a bodyguard uh, who's played by, not a bodyguard, a stunt double who's played by Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. And uh, Manson shows up to the... Tate's neighbor's house. So Sharon Tate doesn't die in the movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. It feels like to me that Ed Baldwin is kind of like Brad Pitt's character <laughs> and Miles is kind of like the, the, you know, the, the Manson ringleader. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's going to come to head with an old style cowboy <laughs> <laughs> and everything's going to go out the window for Miles. I've already, I texted you privately yesterday. Yeah. You did. I'm taking, I'm taking my L on the Miles bet. There's <laughs> absolutely no way. I, I texted you that he's on a collision course for effing up in astronomical Everything. ways that cannot be fathomed. <laughs> oh and I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know how bad it's going to be, but I am 100% certain that there's no way I'm going to win that bet that he's going to have any sort of redemption moment because he is descending deeper and deeper into the dark side and it's going to just end horribly. It really is. I, 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 I'm glad that you've, you've seen my, uh, my side here. Um, I gotta give it to you. That was, no, I, that was pretty impressive. I, I pr- appreciate it, honestly. But no, yeah. like to, to your point though, like Miles, <laughs> Miles escalated pretty quick here. I mean, he, like, it, it's not just he took over the bar. It's not just he, like, you know, edged, uh, you know, Ilya out. Right. That's that's not the problem. The problem is he's now basically in bed with the Koreans. <laughs> So this this is no longer just a like you know localized issue where he's you know just making money trying to get his way you know make sure that 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 he's able to you know run his black market operation. Well, this is now a very political problem that will probably have repercussions on Earth. Would be my very well, at least would be my guess. Like I imagine it's going to have some impact uh, politically with what's going on because they they already were very closed off to everybody else here on the base so just imagine what's going to happen now 
They're going to own the import-export business. <laughs> we're, doing real, we're doing a lot of Peaky Blinders deep cuts here, right? I think that's like another import-export thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Miles, I like, I'm here for it, by the way. I think it's a pretty Which interesting, an interesting character. Uh, character twist. He's definitely been the, he's in the running for the most interesting side character that's been introduced in For All Mankind. Probably second placed to Molly Cobb. Molly Cobb was really interesting. Yeah. I love Molly. RIP. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, it, it's not going to end well. He's Like you said, he's in bed with the North Koreans now. He's digging himself a hole he doesn't understand. He's created a new trait of this um, obsidian, like this red lava rock obsidian from Mars. Yep. Uh, he is starting some human trafficking to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he has a sill that I don't believe he's competent enough to operate. Uh, and I think, you know, a sill has the potential of backfiring or kind of just... As it almost did a few episodes ago. So, uh, let's see what occurs. And also, how are the regulars at Ilya's bar going to react to the Miles, like, violent takeover of his I, operation? I don't think they would be happy, right? Like, I, I, yeah. I had that thought as well. But it's kind of a monopoly, right now up there right like where else are you gonna go to go get your booze and just go they got no choice exactly like you've got nowhere to put your feet up nobody nothing's worse than the guy who screws over the guy who brings the guy into the business oh yeah Ilya literally onboards this guy sorry i had some peaky blinders thoughts going through my head when you said that yeah 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 yeah. well yeah i'm not gonna say anything but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah go watch the show Hey, but speaking of Peaky Blinders, you know there's going to be uh, two spinoff shows that you are coming to Netflix. That. Yeah, yeah, that is that should uh, be exciting. They say one of them is going to be about Aunt Polly in the early days, which is kind of eh, to me. I don't know about uh, that one. Yeah, maybe it like covers her and the women when they were like taking over the operation during the war, and then the other. I don't know what the other. I think the other one will be like. Ah, who knows what the other one's going to be. So they said something about Boston in the other one. So who knows? Maybe yeah, we're going to Bo- bridge over. It would, it would, it's the, the other one was supposed to be Boston after everything that took place in the entire Peaky Blinders in series. In season that we six. Saw. Yeah. So like I'm thinking oh, like okay. 40s, 50s era. So we'll get, we'll, get Ki- we'll get Killian Murphy again for that. For sure. That'd be cool. 100%. That, that'd be, cool. yeah, man, that'd be yeah, dope. That would be dope. <laughs> I just feel like Peaky Blinders can go on longer. But anyways, back to For All Mankind. Um, you know what's great is we're the number one Peaky Blinders podcast in the world. So it's true. It's we're literally awesome. <laughs> we're the number one Peaky and I, I just feel like that's the show that nobody like not enough people know about yet, but it's one of the greatest shows out there. I literally heard Margot Robbie the other day. I was watching an interview between her and Killian Murphy. Hmm. You know, the Barbie Oppenheimer dynamic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She said there are two types yeah. yeah, there's two types of people in this world. Those who are obsessed with Peaky Blinders and those who haven't watched Peaky Blinders yet. <laughs> That's literally what she said to Killian Murphy. And she was like, are you going to, are you okay to revisit the role? And he's like, as long as your story there, I'm down to be there. And it is the role of his lifetime. Let, let's just, oh, let man, us, that thing, I feel like that clear. put him on the map. Like at least it put it on, put, put him on my radar. That's for sure. As a, as a leading man in a major film series or major television series, he hadn't done anything over that long i mean he's been doing that for a decade yeah. it, that's his 
Like John Hamm, but the thing is, is he's more versatile than John Hamm as an actor. At least I, I agree. See, Every time I see John Hamm, I'm just like, yeah. His voice is always Peggy in my office. It's like always <laughs> Don Draper, which is one of the greatest roles of all time. Yeah. But Killian Murphy is so versatile. Like I could see him. I mean, we saw him in Oppenheimer. I yeah. can totally see him as James Bond if he so chooses to be in that. We saw him um, as Scarecrow in Batman. He could be a Bond villain if he wants to. I mean, he could do whatever he wants, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think eventually there will be like a discovering, like, holy crap, one of the greatest actors in the world did a six season television show and I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. It's going to happen. Anyways. All right. So Miles takes over Ilya's operation. Ed has fully caused a strike on Happy Valley. That's how we end the episode. Mm-hmm. And Margot is now in charge of the Goldilocks capture program in Russia. With Helio seemingly having secured this deal to try to mine this asteroid within the next eight weeks so that Al Gore can get reelected. Good does luck. it succeed, Zach? Does it succeed or does it fail? Yes this... or no? Actually, let's do that. Let's make that a bet right now. Okay. Does the eight-week capture program of this Iridium asteroid succeed? Yes or no? See, the, the problem is... It's too vague. I feel like we're going to... Well... I was gonna I was gonna ask what you meant when you said succeed, but I, I was gonna say I feel like we're both gonna have the same bet because my assumption is that no, it's not gonna succeed. I was gonna say yes. Well then that's that's our bet. <laughs> <laughs> well the thing is for me is like if there's gonna be a season five, it's, they need this something. They need a technological renaissance. So it needs to succeed in order to get the funds to have this technological renaissance because right now it feels like we're already in the future of where we are now. It's 2003 on the show. We're in 2023 and they're already ahead of us in terms of where they are base-wise with with Mars Happy Valley. What's hilarious is they're still using big box televisions. Okay. Uh, I guess the technology only went to space exploration Mm. because Kelly still listens to the news on the radio and um, Russia has old TV sets, like the old box yeah. uh, TV sets. That's true. No, no it, uh, it, LEDs. It's it's a fair point. I I'll I'll still take the side of no. Like I I feel like there's okay. got to be something catastrophic that that happens. Though the the catastrophe is probably going to be on on Mars, not not Earth. So does does Ed die in this season? Huh. You know, I kind of feel like Ed would have like an off-screen death between seasons. I like I You think so? How many a- how many of like the most beloved characters of this show <laughs> can you kill off in a horrific way on screen, man? Well, we've got two so far, right? Yeah, I know, at least. Karen two. wasn't beloved. Karen was hated. Like, well, no, Karen I wasn't not talk- I wasn't character. talking about her. Okay. I was talking about Ed's best friend, his bud. The Stevens, yeah. man. Well, we got two. It's been a while since we've had one, and I wouldn't be surprised if Ed has a hero's send-off, right? Yeah. Hey, um, let's wrap this episode, because uh, I want to talk about an email we got in a scenario that we never discussed and never thought about. Okay. Uh, Danny Stevens uh, offed himself on Mars. All right. Yes. So, at the time, everybody was starving on Mars. <laughs> and we had a YouTube commenter ask <laughs> did they eat Danny Stevens 
I can't not have a straight face or, or smile. I can't have a straight face and hear that at the same time. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody ate Danny Stevens. <laughs> Man, that guy was like rotting in his own suit. I'd hope nobody ate that. They'd be poisoned. True. He would have like radiation all up in his. I also do not think they ate Danny Stevens. That's but I, I cer- certainly don't. I certainly hope we don't have some sort of heart of darkness. Uh, uh, situation, right? Um, I don't know the reference, but I hope Danny in charge now is not a cannibal. Yes, I agree. Am I using the right quote? Dark, what heart of I'm darkness? using, I've been using the entirely wrong quote. Heart of Darkness is about cannibals, but they're not the cannibals I'm thinking about. What do you think? Cannibals. About? The cannibals I'm thinking about is the whale movie. There's a bunch of people who like it. Is it Moby Dick? Well, I mean, that is a whale book, right? No, but no, no. But <laughs> Moby Dick is not the one I'm thinking about. There's a movie that Zach Adlib. Adlib, you're always throwing it to me with freaking Adlibs, man. Um, I will pivot away from this and talk about Ed for a moment because one of the things I was going to ask you. Look, man, like I, I, I love whiskey. I love a strong Jesus drink. Jesus Christ! I don't ever want to Google this again. Mario's just looking at cannibals right now. How I don't understand how Ed could literally drink as much as he did. I, I mean, I've never met somebody that could drink that much, first of all. And, and In the heart of the sea. Okay, see, there we go. I've that's, been calling it Heart of Darkness. What are the odds that I got the name wrong and the movie was still about cannibals? <laughs> what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> In the Heart of the Sea is a cannibal movie. And that's got In the Heart of the Sea. Too. What? It's a recounting of a New England whaling ship sinking oh, by a giant whale. you told me about this once. An experience that later inspired the great novel Moby Dick. And I think in the heart of the sea. I got to watch that. 1820s. Yeah, and the men spent the horrific true story behind Moby Dick. The men spent over three months at sea and had to resort to cannibalism in order to survive. Yeah. All cool. seven, ugh, all seven sailors were consumed. That's special. What, what, what an interesting cast: Chris Hemsworth, Killian Murphy, Tom Holland, Benjamin Walker, Ben Whishaw, Killian Murphy, and Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, but uh, Brendan Gleeson's the only one I remember in that movie. Yeah, I he's mean, the only one I remember. Literally says Killian Murphy and Tom Holland. And Chris Hemsworth. That's right. I remember Killian Murphy now. In that, that's a loaded cast, by the way. Holy crap. Yeah, I'm gonna have to watch that. It's on Frank Delane. Frank De- Frank Delane's in there. I, I know you're probably not familiar with him, but he was in um, uh, the Walking Dead, but the uh, the spinoff Walking Dead. Fear uh, of the Walking Dead. The Fear of the Walking Dead. He was great in that, mm-hmm. and then he's also in the Essex Serpent. Um, also, in he's ter- he's terrific in that. Frank Delane's in Harry Potter. No, he's not. He's, he's in Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, I believe. He plays young Tom Riddle in uh, The Half-Blood Prince. That's who he plays. Mm, interesting. Yeah he's, yeah, he's a hell of an actor. I don't think he's really gotten his shine yet. He's kind of like, he reminds me of Killian Murphy mm. in a way that I feel like in 10 years, he'll be a household name. Like just, he'll do a show and he'll be sick in it. He reminds me of a young Johnny Depp as well uh, in terms of like the versatility and his mannerisms. He kind of looks like him a little bit too um, or has the same vibe. Like I feel like he had Johnny Depp posters up on his wall. Like growing up, like I want to be that actor, but who knows? He doesn't act like that at all in the Essex Serpent. Um, 
he's more like that kind of like in Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, but he's not like a... I have to see him in a lead lead role. Like Essex Serpent, Tom Hiddleston carries that show with Claire Danes. Yeah. He's just a side character who plays like a, a doctor friend. Mm. But uh but no doubt. Talented actor. Uh one of those that if I knew he was in a show, I'd I'd check it out just to see, you know, all right, what's the show about? He usually doesn't do bad stuff. So I respect okay. actors who I don't know if they're reading the material or their agents are reading the material, but who pick their material well so that the projects they're doing are always good. Anyways, uh, Zach, let's do the categories, man. You're always driving these episodes so long. It's like ridiculous, dude. What? I'm just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Throw me here. All right. Uh, Favorite character of the episode. I think we're both going to agree on this one, but let's do it. Let's get out of the way. Let's say it on three. All right. Well, that's fine. Three, two, one. Ed Ed Baldwin. Baldwin. There we go. Best character of the episode. Uh, best episode of the season for him as well, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, you, you can disagree, but. Yeah, no, I agree. Awesome. I agree. 100%. Cool. Um, favorite scene in the episode. That one's tough because there's some interesting ones in here. Like, let, this let, is tough. let's limit it to like top two, top three, maybe. Hmm. Okay, so we're going to have the same ones probably. Yeah, I but think I want it in the same order. Ed entering the bar. Okay. Right? Mm. I want I'm like saying him entering the bar plus pretty much, you know, telling Ilya I know about your black market and all that stuff and like threatening him. I thought that was cool. Okay. That's one. That's one. My uh my first one I think was Ed leaving his room and walking down the first time, you know, saying it with, with, with the, what was it, uh, that That's Life song playing on the background. Oh, the Sinatra, That's yeah. Life. I, for, I wrote that in my notes, like, great song selection. I'm a sucker for any scene with a Sinatra song. Yeah. I wonder how much they had to pay to use that song. I don't, isn't it, the, I swear it's the second Sinatra song in this season that they've used. I might be wrong. No, I think you're right about that, but I don't remember what the first one was. I mean, My Way, was it? No. No, Did they do My that. Way? I don't know. I don't think it was that. I know. Anyway. The end is near. And My Way is not an early it's, season song. That's like an end of season. Yeah. Song. Second scene. Yeah. Um, Miles with the North Korean takeover. Uh, pretty much like the bar scene where he tells him, you know, <laughs> Ilya, it's no longer your bar. Yeah. I, I think my second favorite was the bit between... Uh, Margot and Aleda. The um, reunion? Yeah, I liked the reunion there. That was my third one. That was my third one. So my third one is the one that you picked. The bar. The bar takeover. Yeah. Okay. So that's it. Same those, ones. Those are the ones. Uh I guess uh not so much a category, but a question since you threw me uh a moment to banter. Um the amount of drinking that Ed did in that bar. I should have at least led to some throw up, at least Dude. a little bit of throw up. Man, I feel like that guy had like two bottles of vodka. Like He should have been throwing up everywhere. Yeah, it can't be that weak. Like that guy, like she, if he, and if he wasn't throwing up, like he should be like poisoned or something. Ed he, has to be what, 70 something years old in this show? Or yeah, 80? Sure. I mean, he looks like he's up in his 70s, like mid 70s. Uh, to me, at the very least, he probably hasn't had that much to drink because there's only one bar in the planet 
literally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so That's I don't know. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. The only bar on Mars. Yeah. Mars marker right there. Yeah. All right. You got anything else you want to go over? Any other cannibalistic uh, emails, comments, messages? No, that was just one commenter on, on, uh, <laughs> on YouTube. And you know what's, what sucks is like I read that comment. And I was like, I really didn't want to read that. Like that comment. <laughs> I was like, man, it's kind of disgusting. But um, but it's a valid thought. It's a valid, valid thought. Yeah, I mean, food I'm just was shocked. running low. I'm completely in shock still that the, the name of the novel and movie that I was trying to reference was complete has been completely wrong for about three episodes now on this podcast um and now it's uh yeah and it happened to be about the same damn theme i guess anyways i mean that that's convenient there's one other thing and then we'll close it out okay that we didn't really mention with all of this stuff going on in mars we've got first first of all now we have the asteroid that's going to people are going to attempt to redirect towards earth to yes, mine in yes. Earth's orbit. Mm-hmm. Yes. We've got the, the strike going on on Mars mm-hmm. and the coup that Ed is planning. We all about the coup yet. Well, we don't know about the coup yet. Sorry I mean, young, I, I think it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah it's a little tired. I, I know my talking is boring, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's pretty obvious like that's what he's trying to do. He's trying to take over control or at least get back into a position of power where he could fly that. That's what I think at the very least. Man, I, I'm waiting to see the look on Dev's face when he arrives on Mars. <laughs> and it's just completely gone to hell. There's a it's union strike. Gone to hell. There's a strike. The person that he thought was in charge is not in charge anymore. The asteroid, which I think was probably one of the primary reasons he was going to Mars for, is it's not even on Earth. its way to Mars anymore. It's going to Earth. Like This is going to be a very interesting arrival for him. Yeah. I'm assuming he'll arrive next episode with Kelly and Alex, if I had to guess. They got it. Um, they can't hold do- it off another another episode. They're doing a good job of not delaying things too much in this uh, series, but um, yeah. All cool. right, some well, uh, housekeeping, I guess. Go for it. Thank you all for tuning in. We hope you're enjoying our coverage of For All Mankind. We also hope you're enjoying our coverage of Hard Knocks, Miami Dolphins edition. Dolphins just whooped that Jets on Sunday, thirty to zero. Wow. And we await the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. Big game. Neither team has really beaten a contender yet. So one of them has to give. Okay. We hope you're enjoying that coverage. We're also covering Monarch Legacy of Monsters. And um, yeah, let us know what you think. Email us at contact.soapbox.house. Leave us a review if you're enjoying the show. Five stars. Help us defeat. Man, Zach, there are some people out there Mm. that are so annoying. Okay. They, They leave us two star reviews and tell us, Stop covering hard knocks. We don't care about hard knocks. Like they're speaking for the whole audience. We don't care about hard knocks. Like, bro, to leave someone a two star review as a matter of opinion, you got to be the most miserable person in the world. Like that is like that's our show. That literally brings down our rating. They are they are pretending to be supporters of the show, right? Mm-hmm. And in supporting the show, they are bringing down our rating. It's incredible, yeah. you know. It- there's this funny option that you have on your phone, computer, iPad, when you come across an episode that you don't care to listen to, you just don't hit play. Hey, it's a, you know, it's a crazy feature that all platforms seem to have. <laughs> but hey, that's not the majority of you out there. That's literally the special ones. If you want to see their names, have fun one day and just scroll through our Apple reviews and our you know, 
and you'll see some of the most miserable reviews you'll ever see. And most of them are just like, talk about what we want you to talk about. <laughs> All right. All right, bub. Why don't you go start your own thing and then i'm gonna leave your ass a one-star review but um all right love it well to your stuff zach thank you for listening to this episode of for all mankind by story archives you can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts apple and spotify podcasts you can visit our website at soapbox.house email us at contact at soapbox.house and we do have a link in the description below to sign up for our quarterly newsletter until next time have a nice soul. Hey, nice act. Thanks.